I'll ask anybody's questions but yours, if you're an idiot. My wife can score more than two buckets on 11 shots because I know my wife will at least shot fake one time. I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my All right, we welcome you back to an exciting edition of Made for March because we've got tons of news to cover. College basketball is coming back officially, Ty. There is an official start date from the NCAA, November 25th. I think I saw something today as we're recording this on Friday that we're now 68 days away from the season. We just missed Thanksgiving, never the same again. (laughs) So, exciting stuff. I mean, there's been a whirlwind of NCAA news this week between the Big Ten and football and this dropping. And then now, obviously, there's going to be a lot of ripple effects, a lot of unanswered questions that we will get to today. And we'll just catch you up. You got a lot. You got a lot of answering to do. I think they're having a vote this weekend over what they're going to do, how they're going to proceed. Of course, all of it starts with football. And then they'll segue into the basketball stuff. Because remember... Pac-12, not only did they axe football back in early August, but they also decided that they will not be playing any of their winter sports as well until at least the new year. So they've got a lot of reconsideration to do. Yeah, it's honestly kind of sad and kind of poetic that the Pac-12 is the odd man out, it feels like, in a lot of these scenarios. And They've just become kind of the butt of a lot of these jokes. It's like, what are they doing? Because people say they've gone from completely out to now, oh, let's get this thing going in six weeks. You know how they say you don't have to outrun your, you you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun your friend. You don't have to outrun whatever's (laughs) going, you just have to outrun the Pac-12, okay? That's, I think, the motto of the way that college sports is in 2020 right now. Yeah, it's too bad for the Pac-12, because we try to give them some light on this podcast. They're always just way down in the newsworthiness, given that it's out on the West Coast and no one really stays up for their games, it seems like. So if you're a Pac-12 fan listening, I feel for you guys, but I'm I'm sure they'll get there eventually. I feel like it's just only a matter of time. Isn't it poetic, too? Like, we talked about this, uh, this had to have been back in, like, December or January. But remember yeah. when I got stranded out at the bar watching Pac-12 basketball alone? That's kind oh, of right. how they feel right now. <laughs> like, they are the, the Squidward meme, looking out of the, the hut, the hut, Tim. Yeah. And, and, try, and just seeing SpongeBob and Patrick, the ACC, the Big Ten, all these conferences, they're, they're all on track to be playing basketball, and they're missing out. Yeah, and we saw this a lot with football covering that. It's a lot of this is coming from sources, right? And these great journalists that are getting a lot of these scoops. We we were talking before we started this. Matt Norlander and John Rothstein have really been on top of this, and we'll get to a lot of their reports in just a second. But with the football end of things, no one knew what the Big Twelve was doing. And honestly, I feel like that was because they didn't have very well-connected sources in the Big 12. A lot of these main journalists, the Pete Thamels and the Ford, like all those people that were covering it. And I feel like the Pac-12 is that for basketball. No one really has, like everyone's got the answers from the ACC and and those scoops are coming out. And obviously last time we talked, it was the ACC's proposal for a tournament that is seems like that's been completely shut down. If you're wondering about that, there's going to be a 64 team tournament this year, just based on 68. the tweaks. Oh, 68. Sorry, I always, come on. Well, let's not. I always get it mixed up. Yeah, I know. My apologies to the to Flyers. See that they the first four. They get their the 
probably going to get the one seed. They get that axe. And now you're forgetting that the first four is held in the basketball capital of the world, Dayton, Ohio. (laughs) Well, all right. So let's get into this. Uh, November 25th. I think that makes perfect sense. We talked about a little bit before how you start it during Thanksgiving because, as the NCAA said, they've estimated 76% of Division I campuses are committed to remote learning during that time, Division I basketball campuses. And that number will so, probably only grow. It won't right. shrink, it'll grow. No. Yeah, that's a good point. So a lot of students won't be on campus. It'll be just easier to have a smooth, smooth start to the season and limit COVID as much as possible obviously COVID is out there and it's it's not inevitable it's inevitable that it's going to be a factor to some of these teams like we're seeing already in football there's been games canceled at a decent rate so far but we know it's going to be not a perfect season I do think this is the best way to start it though in this kind of golden window and I'm glad they came to that conclusion I guess now that the huge question mark is scheduling for these ADs and coaches you got to completely alter what you had scrap it throw it away and now it becomes okay these power conferences are they going to play out of conference games how many games are they going to play out of conference how many league games are they going to play because the NCAA said four less regular season games now in terms of the capacity of what you could have is one of their sort of announcements along with the November 25th start date just to give you kind of the other quick announcements to everyone there's going to be no secret scrimmages, which is kind of unfortunate. We Bummer. always love those. Yeah. Or maybe the... does the secrecy just amp up now? <laughs> like, are they even more secretive scrimmages? Because now if you get caught doing the secret scrimmages, you're really screwed. Who would be the team that would be most likely? Western to Kentucky. Still... Western yeah. Kentucky. <laughs> Case a closed. Fun. A little LSU. in-state battle. Western Kentucky versus Kentucky. Lock it in. Oh, that's too good. Yeah. Is that even in-state? Like, it is, but it doesn't feel like it is. Yeah, Western time. Kentucky, aren't they one of, <laughs> they, they sound like one of those schools that everyone, it's like Kansas City. Everyone thinks Kansas City is in Kansas, but it's actually in Missouri. Western yeah. Kentucky feels like one of those schools where it's not actually in Kentucky, but they call themselves Western Kentucky. Right. So, anyway, I love those. They're in, like, Cincinnati or something. Yeah, it, it wouldn't shock me. I don't even know. I, I mean, Western Kentucky is just, talk about the butt of jokes, as we said with the Pac-12. They are, they're just dropping bags and taking names out there, and I, I love them for it. They give us content, we watch a couple of their games, and we just carry on, and they're happy, we're happy. I mean, it's a great relationship. Yeah. So, the secret scrimmages won't be a thing, unfortunately, or maybe they will, but they'll be extra, extra secret. And also, teams can start practicing on Monday at least as much as 12 hours per week on Monday. It won't be full-scale practices, but we know that a lot of these kids are on campus and they've already been working out and using the facilities probably. So September 21st, Monday, teams can start practicing. Another interesting note from the NCAA is no recruiting visits are allowed at all. The dead period extends till January 1st, 2021. So the turn of the calendar, and maybe it'll even be extended past that, but... That's of note because if you think about the 2021 class and where it sits right now, we're getting close to the early signing period. That's November 11th when those 2021 kids who are committed have the chance to sign. That's the earliest point they can sign on that day, November 11th. Well, a lot of kids are uncommitted 
because when they were going to make their decision, COVID happened, and they couldn't go on the number of visits they would have liked. They didn't get to see their school. So we have a lot of instances right now where kids committed just to kind of keep their roster spot, but they haven't even been to the campus. And now a lot of those kids that committed are probably going to sign with only seeing a virtual tour or something like that. And, this and is I'm gonna wondering have, how this is yeah. going to impact the transfer market moving forward too, because right. think about this. I mean, you're not getting, mo- most schools want you to visit before they actually even let you commit to the school, right? So that's something that I'm going to be interested in moving forward, especially when we're likely to see the one-time transfer waiver pass across the board. So with that in mind and with the fact that a lot of these players may be committing in unfamiliar circumstances because now you're seeing these reports too coming out of Washington from Dr. Fauci that life probably isn't going to be back to normal until the end of 2021. Everyone's all hyped up about this vaccine or whatever. Things probably aren't going to be back to normal until 2021. We probably won't have a full-fledged widely available vaccine until the late stages of 2021. I would guess like probably about a year from now, maybe a little bit after that. So when you hear all of that and these kids will not be allowed to visit, or if they do visit, it'll be in an extremely limited capacity. Then it makes me wonder what the transfer market's going to look like after the 2021 season, after the 2022 season, and really like the yeah. next three years, because things could get really, really wild. And those coaches, they're going to be all up in arms about this one-time transfer waiver. And I, I think the, the smaller schools are going to be okay. It's the bigger schools that are going to be seeing. So like the Power Fives and, and even like the AACs and the Gonzagas and all those. Those are the ones that I think you're going to see some craziness come and strike. It's such an odd time. We talked about this a lot, but everything is in flux right now. You've got the G League nipping at the NCAA's heels. What will that mean? You've got this transfer discussion. And now, from a recruiting perspective, you would think this would only make anyone that was on the fence of going to the G League more apt to go to the G League going forward because, say, like there's a blanket waiver like they're doing for college football this year from the NCAA. If they come down and say everyone who plays Division I basketball this year gets a blanket waiver, well, now if you're a 2022 recruit, I mean, it's like so many different things to juggle in such an odd time to be picking a college because, A, You don't even know if you're going to be able to visit the schools that you want to visit and make the appropriate decision and really be able to see all the things that are normally at your disposal. And then there's the question mark of scholarships and how many people will be on the roster. It's just like a nightmare. I feel for these high school kids because I don't even know how. I mean, usually you take a visit and then you go up and check out a game. Well, no one's going to the games anyway, but we know that that is pushed back too. You can't do that officially until January 1 at the earliest. And I see this thing probably going further. I think the NCAA just kicked the can to Jan 1, but which I think was good on them. They shouldn't call it till spring by now, but I, I no. don't really see a world where this gets back Jan 1 if it stays how it is, unless there's major progress on the medical front and testing and all those type of things. Yeah, and you don't, you just don't want to inject more and more foreign bodies into the ecosystem that you're trying to create right especially after january 1st like if you're a school you don't want a flooding of recruits to come in and come visit your schools 
You want to keep this ecosystem as clean as possible right now. Only people within your program as much as possible because guess what? That's your window right there. If things start to go south or sour during that period, that's when you're going to run into some real problems because that should be your cleanest period. That time when students are off campus. So I would not be inviting a whole lot of people. And that's why I think the NCAA is going to wait until you start to see students get back on campus to start allowing these visits to resurface again. And we should mention Dan Gavitt, who of course has a big stake in all this stuff, and he kind of shut down the NCAA tournament proposal from the ACC right away. He comes out a day after the NCAA makes their official November 25th, and those reports come out that that's the start date. He says, quote, November 25 date is somewhat aspirational, and he sort of talks about how affordable testing is the big thing that they still need to make sure they're going to have enough of in order to start the season. It made it seem like it wouldn't shock me if that date is pushed back or if there's a delay. I still think it'll probably start then, though, because there's a part of me that thinks maybe Dan Gavitt saying that is almost a way to try and get more testing. And I just feel like that Thanksgiving time period makes so much sense for so many reasons, and it'd be a miss not to start it then. So if you're going to start the season at some point, if you're going to start in 2020, that's your best bet. And the thing about that too is I don't think the testing stuff is going to be a huge problem for the NCAA when it comes down to it with the affordable testing because we've seen, I think it was the NBA partnered with, I believe it was Yale University to get those swab tests and, and or no, saliva tests, I believe it was. And it, they were very cheap to to make, very cheap to to buy. They were very easy, easily accessed, and they're going to be able to mass produce those. But if you're going to commit all of this time, effort, and money into getting the season off the ground, you need to have an NCAA tournament. So I think if you see the season start, you are seeing an NCAA tournament. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna take another pandemic. I think, to keep the NCAA tournament from happening. And that's the only way that I see it not getting off the ground because they're, these schools, the the NCAA, they're going to need the money to do all of this. And the only way to generate that money is through the NCAA tournament, especially if, you, um, especially if you're not going to be having fans in the stands for this upcoming season at a number of places because... I'm sure there will be a couple of places that that do have fans, even though it is indoor venues. But yeah, that's the thing; it's indoor. It's not football. I mean, look at it this way too. I mean, the state of Indiana, the Colts, they play in a dome. They're going to have fans this upcoming weekend. Yeah, you got a point. So, and and who knows? Maybe things get a little bit better. Numbers start to go down. I mean, science changes by the day. But I think that when you look at all of this happening, the start of the season indicates that there will be an NCAA tournament. Now, the season has not started yet, obviously. But right. if we do see said season start, then I think we're going to get an NCAA tournament. I'm very confident that A yeah. will lead to B. I'm, I'm extremely confident that there's an NCAA tournament and there's March Madness this year, or I guess in 2021. Obviously, nothing's for sure in the time of COVID, but I even given that, 
I still can confidently say that I really don't see a world where there isn't some form of March Madness, and at this rate, it seems very likely it's going to be that 68-team tournament with Dayton. I didn't forget him that time. And everyone involved, what we're used to. So, about these other tournaments, these preseason tournaments, we were joking last time about how some of these are moving to very, very different locations. It seems like a lot of those No Peoria! What's up with I that, know. NCAA? I know. What's yeah. up with well, that, maybe Maui? We got time. Maui Jim, come on. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe they'll, they'll move another tournament there. But basically, all the reports have panned out so far in terms of when anyone said, like a Rothstein or a Norlander said, this is the leading candidate, or any of the other journalists who I'm forgetting to mention. So first off, Battle for Atlantis, we can start there. They're going to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Samford, the health area there. There, that's going to be played November 25th through the 27th, according to John Rothstein and reports there. And they have commitments from, this is according to Matt Norlander, he says they have commitments from basically the entire field, which is Memphis, Ohio State, West Virginia, Wichita State, Utah, Creighton, Texas A&M, and then Utah, and he says Utah and all of their Pac-12 teams expecting Pac-12 presidents to reverse vote. So Utah is, was in the field and... You know, like we said, who knows with the Pac-12, but it seems like if they get past Utah would be committed to the tournament as well. So that's a battle for Atlantis. I didn't name one team there, though. It's a great field, but Duke is also supposed to be in the field. They're the only team, according to Matt Norlander, that hasn't committed as of us recording this on Friday. And then he reports that sources tell CBS Sports that Duke, which is not expected to play in the South Dakota slash Battle for Atlantis event, is in the process of trying to build a multi-team event this season to be held at Duke and would center around a theme and backdrop of social justice activism. This event is still in the planning stages and subject to change, but if Duke was able to pull it off, it would obviously become one of the biggest non-conference events of the college basketball season. That's according to Matt Norlander. So my gut reaction to that is, that sounds awesome, and... I don't really know what it means for our favorite tournament, the Battle for Atlantis, but I think that's a great idea on Duke's end, and I bet a lot of teams are going to do something similar to that. And Chris Mack even came out. He had a a phenomenal tweet as well because it looks like a lot of these schools, they're starting to pull out, and I think, I believe Louisville was supposed to go play in Vegas for the upcoming season. MGM. Yep. And then Chris Mack goes out and tweets, Hey, D1s. Get your games here. Louisville non-conference bubble, November 25th to December 5th. 8 to 12 teams, 3 to 5 games per team. Lodging, check. Medical protocols, check. Spots filling fast. Let's go. And I'm going to be interested to see all of this because let's let's face it, okay? The Part of the allure of these Thanksgiving week tournaments, the Feast Week tournaments is seeing it in these ballrooms or seeing it in the in the Civic Center and, and right. all that stuff is is going to be gone. So I don't get the allure. I get there's the sponsors and all that stuff, but I I would rather see some of these individual school tournaments and a sell because I've always said like Indiana has the Crossroads Classic every year. The state of Indiana, it's Butler, it's Notre Dame, it's Indiana, and it's uh, Purdue. And that's such a, such a great event in the state of Indiana to celebrate Indiana basketball. Why would you not do this in all of these other states? I think it'd be yeah, really cool in some of these regional yeah. tournaments. Like, and, and I get it's kind of tough in the state of Carolina because you are dealing with a lot of your, your conference foes. But 
I would love play to see some it. South Carolina. Schools, yeah, play some South, like the do. Carolina crossover. You match yeah, up teams Virginia. from. Yeah, you match up teams from from each side of the uh, the Carolinas to face each other. You you go to New York. You get an, an upstate challenge. You you go to New York City. You get a battle for New York City. You go to uh, the D.C. area, the D.M.V., the Battle of the D.M.V. Yeah, be the great. Chicago Classic. This would be great for all of these schools. I think it would be an awesome event, especially if you're going to throw in some of these other caveats to it, like Duke is doing, and, and theme it around social justice activism and, and all that stuff, and, and raising money for all of these different organizations as well. Like Each team could maybe pick an organization, and if they win, there's a giant check that goes out to that organization. I think that would be a really cool way to pull this event off. Not to mention, it just is like common sense that we're in the middle of a pandemic. Some might argue how serious the pandemic is. But right now, I would rather get on a flight to, I don't know, Chicago than go like go see you in Chicago than go all the way to South Dakota. Like there, I guess that's still pretty far both ways. But what I'm saying is if these schools just go to a tournament that's closer to where they are, that's just is common sense. Like, I don't know why we'd bring yeah, in everyone schools hops from on a bus. Let's, do, let's go. Yeah. Right. Why bring in schools from all over to go to Sioux Falls and all meet up there and all have to pass different testing. If you could drive somewhere, if you could get on a bus, like you said, or I mean, you talk like Duke, if they host this tournament, let's get some, let's get a South Carolina there. I like, I don't care. Richmond would be good. That's like a pretty legit t- team, obviously, out of the A-10 every year. They're they're not too far away. I don't care who it is, but... Yeah, like, let's, let's do a Western Kentucky versus the world. How about that, huh? Like, <laughs> invite challengers. But Western no, I think, Kentucky getting a lot of love on this podcast. Yeah, so no, <laughs> I think that... I think that these events would be cool, and I think that these would help revitalize college basketball in some of these areas where it may be taking... Like, you'll never lose college basketball down on on tobacco road you'll never lose the love of college basketball in lexington but in some of these other areas maybe it's starting to dwindle a little bit like chicago that area i think it's starting to dwindle a little bit and yeah yeah you could really revive some of these old rivalries by having these great crossover games in your states or in your cities and i think that it's easy everyone buses you can you can do lodging you can make sure that testing is is a-okay there's certainly facilities where you can quasi bubbleize this entire event too this feels like a no-brainer to me and while it sucks for for the people that love the their maui gyms or they love their battle for atlantises or they love the empire classics or whatever I think you just bite the bullet this one year, all right? And I get that there's a lot of sponsorship yeah. money involved, and, and those tournaments and I'm not will still privy be big. To, yeah, but and I'm not privy to the the finances that go into all of this stuff. But I'm what I am saying is I like this idea, and I almost like it more than than the original Feast Week, to be honest. I think in the future it would be cool to have these sort of events, and then maybe you, you keep like the best three of the Feast Week. So you get like your Maui gyms, you get your your battle for Atlantis and then pick one more that you really like. And, and we just go off of that. And then we could see some of these old rivalries. I mean, all these conferences have realigned. You think of Syracuse, Georgetown, or those old big East rivalries. Now they're, yeah. Like, they why don't, don't we do like an other. old big East reunion? 
like every right. year. That'd be awesome. Wouldn't that be Who an wouldn't awesome? Sign up for that? I guess. Yeah. I guess it's kind of tough because it feels like they've broken off into essentially two conferences, and and you just turn it into the ACC Big East Challenge. But it, yeah, it would still point. be cool to get, and I guess AAC too, if you want to throw Cincinnati in there. But I I would love to see these sort of creative ideas because now is the time to experiment. Look what baseball's doing. Look yeah. what basketball did. Look what hockey's done. Now is the time to experiment with things. Why not do it now? Because if it flops, okay, you've got the pandemic as as the great equalizer of an excuse. Yeah, and I think this Duke tournament, I don't know anything. This is speculation. I feel like this is going to be a success and it's probably going to happen. Because let's just think about it. If you're Duke, I totally see why they want to do this. Like if you had a pros and cons chart and you're sitting down and meeting with Coach K... There's a lot of pros to this. You're closer to, obviously, you just keep your players safer, limited COVID, all that, good exposure for the school. You raise money for good organizations, support a good cause. It makes the players a little happier to be playing, probably. It's good for Coach K as a recruiting tool going forward that he shows that I did this during this time because I felt like it was important for me to get out there in, in this social activism time period. Like, all these pros... And then what's the alternative? We go to Sioux Falls. Okay, you play some pretty good teams, but I mean, I don't want to be blunt and mean to South Dakota. Who, like, Atlantis is great, but who really wants to go to Sioux Falls? Yeah, who the hell like, wants it, to go It makes there. sense that, that schools want to do this, and I think we're going to see more and more of this. Maybe by the time people are listening to this and by the time we talk next, Duke is in the battle for Atlantis. Who knows? This is all moving very swiftly, but I like the idea, and I think we could see more of that going forward the other big tournament maui is now officially going to Asheville. so i'm i'm officially going to be starting my campaign to get to the maui invitational in Asheville, since that's not too far away we joked about that last time i also saw someone on twitter joking that get someone out there right away to start loosening up those Asheville rims and, and really carry on the tradition <laughs> of the loose rims in maui but that will be november 30th to december 2nd it seems like most of the teams are, are still on board for that one yeah, I with Maui again in Asheville. We're talking about probably the the longest possible flight you could make from Maui to Asheville, and you're looking at a completely different part of the country. But yeah, again, I don't know how they landed on on a number of these locations. I'm sure there's behind yeah, the scenes stuff weird. that that like, we'll <laughs> never understand or never know. And you you put them into the classified file cabinet at, at the NCAA headquarters, but I, it's just. I don't understand, well, I do understand, dollars is is what drives this entire operation, but it's just, I don't get why you don't use this year to try to sponsor, like Maui Gym, okay, go sponsor the the Carolina Crossover, and um, all these other plays, all these other big, like 2K, you go take this different event, like just let's spread it out here. Tons of teams, yeah. Exactly. No, I agree. I I think we'll see more of that going forward. And I definitely think Maui and Battle for Atlantis, they have a lot of money. They have a lot of sponsorships on the line. They will have a big tournament that draws a lot of these big schools. I mean, all those schools I mentioned that are committed, besides Duke, that's a good field to Battle for Atlantis. Wichita State, West Virginia, Ohio State, Memphis is going to be good. Creighton, Texas A&M, like, very legit uh, field there. So I... I wouldn't be worried about the future of those tournaments or those tournaments ever like faltering down the road, but I, I think we could see 
this time period to be used as like experimenting and some of these schools are going to come up with their own plans because it could support their agenda a little bit more and it's just maybe get gather it for a good cause like we've seen a lot of good companies do throughout this time period so i'm all for all of that i mean this is gonna be a weird time period i think more news is gonna come out next week and from here we'll just be tracking basically the schedules and whether non-conference is going to happen and when these games will happen and whether some of these I do want the preservation games. of the challenges though. Like I saw some things that certain challenges might be axed or that some of these tournaments overlap with when your traditional Big 10 ACC challenges are. I want the challenges preserved. Yeah, I think and they're going to try and push Ultimately they will be. Yeah. But yeah. And, and let's be honest, like we can just do like the top 10 teams, okay? We don't need the <laughs> Like there's always the one ACC team that sits out every year, and I I'm cool with just the top ten teams in right. in each like the preseason poll top ten teams. All right, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. Uh, maybe you go to eleven just to so that there's a clear cut winner of the challenge every single year. But I just want the challenges preserved. SEC Big Twelve, all that stuff because I love I love the challenge season and I think it's a great crossover and it it's really good for these programs too because. First of all, it is some some good exposure against a good quality opponent on national television. And on top of that, you are playing some of the best teams in each conference. And you are getting a little bit of a feel for how the talent in the other conferences are. And I think that these challenges really do prepare you well for the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I mean, I worry about the little guy, as we talked about a lot on the last podcast and how I I've seen some stuff where mid-major coaches are telling some of these journalists, like it's a mess right now. And I really hope these schools don't go to conference only. Like, and it seems like they don't want to No, It's not like football. And again, football, they may not have really had And NCAA said, I don't want that either. I mean, and let's be honest too. Like this, this virus doesn't see a conference schedule, okay? Like that—that's one of the things <laughs> yeah. that I've always been so super that's fascinated. Like you—you you think COVID nineteen? It's swirling about in the air. The particles are are getting like split into two out of your gator masks and stuff like that. And it says, "Oh, oh we got a conference game here. This is a, a no trespassing zone." But oh, yep. we, we can't got, touch uh, that one. We, they we've did got the right Northwestern thing. DePaul. <laughs> All right, a full, full fire. Let, let's let's get in there. Yeah. Let, let's do our work our magic. Everyone no, that's go not, that that's way. That's not how this virus works. It doesn't see <laughs> right. conference schedules. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, it's such a weird time, and it, it's been sort of odd to track this, but I think at least if you're a college basketball fan, this was a very positive week. It seems like they're committed to the NCAA tournament. They're committed to, at least from my perspective, I'm happy they're committed to not changing the NCAA tournament. We talked a lot about that last week, but... Uh, anything else before we get out of here? I think we'll have to start doing our tears of joy down the road now because it seems like, you know, this season's getting more real and real. as Yeah, I say pass. once we get inside 50 days, 50 days, okay. let's, let's give it 68. to that. Let's let, let's let the, the transfer waiver start to slowly trickle on in and, and close out that chapter of this entire up season preview. And then we get into all of our our tears of joy yeah oh and before we go did you see rick patino at the u.s i did Open? yes <laughs> oh man what a guy what, what a, a flex guy. to he's, get there i mean he's got the mask off he, he's wearing it like a, a bike helmet got um, the iona hat on. he's got the iona I mean, hat on he's hanging with minnesota that's company happening. 
Like, yeah, I feel like so I feel like we're happened. not talking about that enough. Apparently, he we lives can't. on the course too. Yeah, of course he does. He's yeah. He's probably a. I, so for those that didn't see, there's a, fo- a picture floating around. Matt Norlander tweeted. That's how I came across it. Yeah, Kyle and, underscore Boone is the one who actually okay. put it out. Kyle Boone. Um, yeah. and but there was, he, he's a writer for CBS Sports too. Okay, so there was a I guess a family's backyard. They put up bought a grandstand and started cheering. It's a backyard where you can see um some of the holes on Wingfoot or at least one of the holes on Wingfoot. I'm pretty sure he's a member US there too, is. yeah. Yeah, so he found a way to to get there and and get some spotlight on the camera and and just be Rick Pitino. I love it. He's he's still in our lives and like he said, I mean, this should be talked about more. He's coming back. So, we'll, I love we'll how obviously he's hanging out with someone that. in a Minnesota quarter zip, okay? And yes, I, I, I it's I, not I Richard, all right? It's not right. Richard in that Minnesota quarter zip. I'm wondering, are we about to see a a father versus son coup out in Minnesota? Like, is this Patino's rise back to yeah, greatness? We need that game. You start Iona, you start at Iona, and then you form a coup and take over your son's program at Minnesota when things go south. It's I want to be the first of behind this. Pl- like right, exactly. The dad gives way to the son. The son exactly. gives way to the dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick Pitino, man, never changed. Dickie V, all those guys, we love them. But hopefully we'll get more of them. Hopefully the season does start on November 25th. We'll have you guys covered until then, breaking down all the news, and then we will start as we joke about our tears of joy. That is our preview for the season where we tier the teams into different categories. We will start getting into that once we get to under 50 days. I think that is a good time period. So 68 days away as of recording this on Friday. But thanks for listening. Check us out on Twitter. It's at made number four March on our Twitter page. You can follow us. Feel free to rate, review, leave five stars, tell your friends about us, and we will talk to you guys soon. The game was over. 